Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we celebrate the beauty of being a nerd by learning about nerdy things from fellow nerds. I'm your nerd, Troy Bork. Today, I got a wonderfully ethereal episode for you. Our guest today creates art and community through the voices of others, and it is an amazing process to learn more about. Before I just gush and give it all away, here's Jennifer Whiting to tell us all about the beauty of choral magic. My name is Jennifer Whiting. I am the director of music at Geary United Methodist Church in Wheaton. And I'm also the music director of the Glen Ellen Wheat Chorale. That is my flavor of nerd. The chorale is? Oh, maybe both. Chorale, we'll say choral music in general. Choral music in general. Okay. For millennials like myself and generations past me who maybe are not familiar with what choral music necessarily is, Mm. give me a definition. What does it mean? Sure. It's such a broad field. I would say at its most basic definition, it's very simply human voices singing together. That's all it is. I love that definition. (laughs) It's pretty inclusive. When did you realize this was something that resonated with you? Oh, my goodness. From the time I was very small. So my, my very first memory of what I would call a choral experience was in first grade. And our music teacher gathered all the lower grades in the gymnasium and just to give us a music lesson all together one day. And at one point, and she was talking about, um, you know, Del Remy. And at one point, she divided us in three groups and she said, okay, you guys sing Do. And then all you people here, you sing me. And then all of you over here, you sing so, and we're going to do it all together and you hear what happens. So we sang all together and it was like something exploded in my brain. (laughs) That was just, it was an amazing, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. I was only five years old. That's amazing. Oh, it's, it was an unforgettable moment for me. So there was that. And then also just having grown up in churches where people sang from hymnals, often in four-part harmony. And um, pretty soon I learned that I could jump around to the different parts myself and was starting to learn to read music when I was about six or seven. And so I would challenge myself that way. And I still love to do that. And it's really fun if I'm standing near someone in church who also is doing that and like we can jump to different parts at different times. So those are really formative influences in my life. And also, I have to say, I had the advantage of piano lessons through all my school years. My older sister, Wynne, was my first piano teacher. And pretty soon, I was so enthusiastic about learning piano that my parents allowed me to go to piano lessons. So really, piano was my like, entry into the music world and experiencing music in my life. And then I had some small opportunities along the way through the years, like directing a 
Sunday school choir or things like that. And my sisters and I would sing trios and quartets together. And sometimes my brother was there. And so the five of us might sing a special song in church on Sunday morning. So I had a lot of different areas of input that sort of turned me into a musician. What did the language of music enable you to communicate? Oh, my goodness. I, I think I'm still learning as I age, as I grow. And the longer you live with music, the more you discover about what it can do and does for you. I'd say that music gives the ability to express many things that words fail to express. And I would also say that, and this idea is not original with me, but that great music can even introduce us to parts of ourselves that we didn't know were there even. Hmm. Or it's sort of like being able to step into pure emotion hmm. and be able to give space to that emotion and give almost a tactile quality to it that can't can experience any other way. It really right. puts us in touch with ourselves if we open ourselves to it. Yeah, I, I resonate with you, that a lot. You love music too. Yeah. So what does it do for you? I think growing up, it was a conduit for emotions that I didn't know how to use my words for, just like you said. Exactly. Um, back in the music episode, I got to interview my old piano teacher. And <laughs> hi, Melody. And it was one of those where she learned early on that if I didn't like a piece, well, good luck. I wasn't really going to do it. Um, but she also helped me find pieces that did resonate with the feelings I had inside. And I remember I can still play a lot of those pieces because they have a feeling like it's a well-worn trail that helps me get from an emotional here to an emotional there. Absolutely. I resonate with that very much. And in my years of growing up, if I were angry or hurt or sad, I could go to the piano and pound out my feelings right. on, on the keyboard. Or if I were happy, the same thing, you know, and it still is that for me. And I think music can open an area of transcendence, mm. not only for me, but also for the musicians around me. This is one of the things that I love about choral music is that we are doing something together that is absolutely impossible to do by yourself. You know, you can sing one line by yourself. You can sit at the piano by yourself. But choral music is something else. It's a collaborative art. There are many collaborative arts, right? This is one of the great ones. And when we come together and we're following this intricate map that's been put at like dots on the paper by a composer, maybe from hundreds of years ago, even longer, even a millennium ago. And we can recreate that thing that was in the composer's head. And, and we literally, we breathe life into that work of art. And we're recreating a work of art right in the moment hmm. by doing nothing but setting into motion the molecules of air that are in the room, the, the air that we share. We're making it vibrate a certain way. And we are we're adding text to it that has meaning. And so for me as the conductor, one of my biggest jobs is to figure out how a piece of music works so that we can exploit its most 
beautiful moments and its most transcendent moments. Because when we feel that transcendence altogether as a choir, then the audience also becomes a part of that experience. It's like nothing else that I can experience in life. And I love all kinds of art. I love to go to the artist tube and just stand in front of a Renoir, which I could do for an hour and just be absorbed into it. And I deeply love that. But when I'm standing in front of a choir and maybe an orchestra, creating these sounds in the moment, it just transports me to a different level where it can. It has that potential if we do it right. <laughs> and if we're very present in the music and if we've deeply prepared ourselves and we understand the score and we know what we're communicating, it's something phenomenal. Yeah. I know what that feeling is like because I was in a choir at church for a while. But for people who are listening who have not experienced this, does it have a color? What does it feel or what does it not feel like? Yeah. And I think that's a very subjective question. And you mm. would probably get a different answer from every musician that you talk to. Mm. Is it a color for you? I think it's, it's just brightness. Brightness. So like light. Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily like it's go, it goes from a certain color to another color, but it's inside my upper chest. It just, it feels uh, bubbly. Yes. Yeah. So you get a visceral feeling of some kind. Yeah. And for you, is it when, when the chord comes together or is it the shape of a melody or what is it that does that for you? Um, I experience that same feeling when I'm at other things too. And a lot of times it's when... All of the factors that are at play <laughs> yeah. all suddenly align and everybody's moving forward together. Yes. It's yeah. magical. It is magical. And there's that the power of the unity of that uh, collaborative human experience mm -hmm. is just so powerful. For me, this is something that I struggle to describe <laughs> because it, it even sounds weird, but there's almost a little bit of an out-of-body thing that mm -hmm. happens to me during certain moments of music. And yeah. there's an aura that I can almost see and touch. And I'm pointing to where it is because it's always like mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. And this happens also sometimes if I'm attending a really powerful, amazing concert. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like those sounds are floating over me and they live. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Sounding, though. I'm sounding really strange. So no, you're not. Anyway, this is why That's I don't what your talk experience about this is because, like. Uh, yeah. Well, it's hard to describe, but well, it's, it's like what you said earlier. Like it's subjective to every person. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's a feeling. It's a visceral. For you, it's a presence. Yes, that's a good word for it. It's a presence. It's like it's its own thing, and then when the song is over, it lingers a bit, like it's resting on me. And then it just sort of dissipates and I yeah. up and away. And then it's gone. That's the other thing about choral music is it's still momentary. Yeah. So you have to be in the moment mm. to experience it. And this is one thing that I love about your podcast too, Joy, is that you have a very strong ability to be in the moment with people. You're able to draw that out of people as well. Music, too, does the same thing. I think that great music is a guided meditation because mm. it's this thing that you join into and you allow the music to take you on this certain pathway. 
And then when the path is over, then it's just dissipates. Well, it's like the power of story. Yes. There's an invitation. You as a listener have the opportunity to go on that journey that you as the conductor are beginning to paint and offering the invitation. And I guess the choir in this, if we're going to play out a metaphor, the choir is like the characters all along the way. And as the audience, I can choose to what degree I want to engage with the story that you're painting. And also, it's like what you just said of it's also a subjective experience being in the moment as the characters in the moment, being in the moment as somebody who is watching and feeling all the things come together. And a lot of that, I just to sum up what I, I think I've heard you say, is a lot of it is also the ability to be present not only in the moment that is presented, but also inside of yourself and to be curious about what is happening. Yes. Um, so like when you feel that aura happening, yeah. it's like, can you be present with yourself and actually be calm enough to experience the awe that is in front of you? Like for me, it would be like, can I get out of my head enough to realize that there's something happening in my body and be okay with that? Yeah. Like that. Is that what I'm hearing you say about like the feeling of transcendence? Definitely. And I, I think that is a huge part of transcendence. Transcendence is really hard to define or describe. Right. And I think that it's multifaceted. And for me, the, the transcendence of music has to do also with the, the collaborative nature of the mm. art. And I mean, collaborating with the musicians who've gone before us, created the traditions. The, the person who wrote the poetry that becomes lyrics, we're communing with the, the composer, with the dots on the page. Mm-hmm. There's this chain of creativity that we've inherited. And then we sort of step into it like we're stepping into a, a river that keeps right. going. We're just in the river for a moment, but you got to be in the river. And you got to be in the river with all of the singers and instrument players that are in front of you. And then also the magic happens too with the audience. The audience does become part of that flow, which when that happens in performance, it really is pretty amazing. I've heard with theater, when you perform something night by night by night, the audience actually changes your performance. So no, no two performances are the same. Have you experienced that with choral music as well? I have, although not as frequently as someone who would be performing the same thing night after night. But when I've repeated performances, for sure, they've been different from from time to time. The energy in the room, your surroundings, people who are present in that moment. And I often say to my choirs, I see this in rehearsal as well as in performances, that these times that we gather together really are sacred, especially from the standpoint of knowing that this particular moment, these particular people in our circumstances in this moment, we will never repeat this exactly as it is. That's another great reason to try to be as present as possible. Right. Wow. Okay. This is so cool. I have so many questions. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about your musical journey. When did you decide that you wanted music to be your thing? Like, I'm going to be a conductor. I'm going to have yeah. an Instagram handle that's Conductor Jen. Like, it's going <laughs> to be my thing. Yeah. That's a great question. It sort of evolved 
And I'm one of those people that had a really hard time narrowing down my focus in college. I double majored in English and music and I minored in art. And I still don't know if I made the right choice. I hope I, I don't know, but you take a step and then it makes other things happen or opens other doors and you just keep walking through the doors. You end up in a certain place. Um, and I think I could have ended up in a, any number of places, but this is where I ended up. <laughs> what are one or two of your favorite doors that you made decisions to mm. walk through? Oh, goodness. Ugh. So sometimes I think back to this silly moment in high school when my schedule was too crammed full for this very same reason. I just did too interested in too many things. And so I was forced to make a choice between being in the vocal ensemble and being in advanced drawing class hmm. and it just tore me up because I really I still want to be in both places and I chose vocal ensemble hmm. and so then you know I was invited to play piano here and there and sing in different things and then I was applying for colleges and your activities appear and your application is on and then you got to pick a major so um, that's kind of how that happened hmm. Then there was another moment. So I was a classroom teacher at a parochial school in Arlington Heights for a number of years in the 1990s. And I was teaching second grade at the time. And our daughters, Katie and Chelsea, were in that school where I was teaching. And there was a need for a choir teacher. They weren't asking anybody to do it. And I thought, well, I can do this. And so I wasn't paid for it, but on my, my, my break period, I got together seven girls who were in junior high and high school. And we had this little broken down, wasn't little, but a, an upright piano that we called the Frankenstein way. And <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and we sat in that semester and then it just started growing from there. Mm -hmm. And then the school turned it into a class and then more and more students came. And by the time I left the school seven years later, and it wasn't a huge school, but 70% of the student body was in my choir. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so it was uh, great to see that I could, you know, build a choir program and I was more equipped probably than I, than I realized that I was, but then when Katie and Chelsea, our daughters, Katie went off to college, and Chelsea also uh, was moving out on, on her own. And so then I entered grad school to, to earn a um, master's degree in choral conducting. So Karina, that's it's sort amazing. of just from there. <laughs> well, it sounds like the analogy we've been using for transcendence all along, like what you have inside of you, that aura that you're able to hold space with when other people get a whiff of that, of course they're going to want to hang out because you're being present in the moment and you're feeling out what's going on. And I love how you phrased it of the, the collaborative art, the beauty that happens when we come together and we do this together. Like this is a modality of presence that I think we've lost in our digital world. And so I would not be surprised, like the story that's easy for me to write about those students is, well, of course they jumped in with you. It was a time to be present. It was a time to share humanity and create something beautiful together and learn and be affirmed and have this transcendence. And there's just so many ands that can get jumped on there. And it makes sense. 
Like, this is a art that we have lost touch with in a lot of places. And so you're a conduit to that transcendence of, hey, this is the beauty of presence. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. Alice Parker, who's a um, venerated composer and conductor, says that singing together is one of the most human activities that we can do. Mm. And she also says it's the song that fills the room also fills our hearts at mm. the same time. It's one of the most human things that we can do together. And this has been one of the hardest things for me to explain to people about the grief that I and other choral artists have had during the pandemic. Our instrument has been uh, right. ripped away from us during the pandemic. And while many people who want to encourage me say, well, still play the piano, you can still sing, you can record things and you can do a virtual choir. Sorry, I, it just isn't, it doesn't fill any of what we've been talking right. about. There is nothing transcendent about recording tracks on a yep. computer. I, I have so deeply missed, like to the point of it being a real grief, deeply missed being in the room with live voices. And so I was just hired during the summer as the new director of the Glen Ellen Wheatley Chorale, which I'm so thrilled to be stepping into that position. But what a strange year to, to try to get to know a new vocal group and make sounds when we've had to rehearse outdoors, separated from one another. We've been under a tent and bundled in, <laughs> in blankets and the wind mm. is scaling around. And, but we did it. That We would do right. that for an hour, then we would head inside into a very large space all spread out. And of course, everyone is masked. And so there's so many things. You, you can't hear the overtones. It's very hard to shape yeah. sound under those conditions. So now we're finally up at the front of the sanctuary, sometimes still masked, but just even having the voices in proximity to each other, it's just so thrilling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the paint on the canvas that I can do something with. Now yeah. I can shape sound and now we can turn it into music. So it's just, it's so exciting. I'm just so thrilled to be there. Last question. What yeah. do you wish people knew about choral music or how do you wish people would walk into an experience or be open to? That question could be answered in so many ways, but one thing that leaps to my mind relates to what we've been talking about here. And you used the word open. And I think for music to exert its power and beauty over us and in us, we have to give ourselves over to the experience. So mm. coming into a concert to be a listener is to be present in the moment with those performers and with the history of composers and arrangers and lyricists who went before us and to be willing to be immersed in that experience. And if you do, and if it's great music, then I think you would experience such a range of the whole spectrum of emotions. And it's just such a rich thing to experience together. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, this has been lovely. Thank you <laughs> so much for your time. I've been looking Thank forward you. to this for so long. Oh, Joy, I this has been such a privilege and a pleasure for me. And 
Thanks for giving me an opportunity to out uh, without reservation about yeah. something that I care about so much. And I, I deeply appreciate what you're doing on your podcast. Thanks for giving of yourself and for bringing us so many wonderful people to meet. Love you and like you. Love you too. Bye. So here we are. I am so looking forward to that next time when I feel the inner transcendence of a communal art, whether it be choral music, an orchestra, theater, or really just music of any kind. Jen said it well that there has been a gap created by COVID as we are staying distant in order to stay safe. And yet, in the midst of that, folks like Jen are going above and beyond to safely create space for resonance, goodness, and art. Thank you so much for your time, Jen. If you've got a flavor of nerd that you want me to celebrate, I would love to hear all about it. So go ahead and email me at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com and tell me everything. If you really like this podcast and want to financially support what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com, search for Here We Are The Podcast, and sign up for one of the many, many beautifully and sassily written support tiers that I'm really proud of. So until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.